Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from, head to a thing or two hq.com to subscribe to our newsletter and to sign up for Secret Menu, our jazzy new hub for members-only content. Do it. Also, to share your thoughts on this episode or anything, really, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And as a reminder, we're offering free ad reads to Black-owned businesses. So hit us up at podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Okay. So before we bring on today's guest, the founder of Eugenia Shea, we want to talk about quarantine fitness, which is something we've somehow haven't talked about despite various requests. And I think we've been putting it off because we were both like kind of just like blah and bored with it for a we while. Were actively avoiding the conversation <laughs> just because I feel like we felt like we had nothing to offer that you couldn't find readily on Instagram. And like in some ways, our routines hadn't changed that much, except that, you know, we're doing it at home or in masks. For me, it was, I had, was doing it in my kitchen basically yeah. for a while. So it didn't really feel like anything to write home about. But I do feel like now we've at least developed better systems and our understanding that we are going to be in this for the long haul. Like it's not, it's no longer like, oh, for two to three months, I have to figure out how to work out with a video. It's now like, oh, for the rest of the year, I need to come up with a better system at least. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think there's this realization that this is um, the new normal for a while. And so we're starting to just settle into that. The long um, game, the long that's game. Right. That's right. For me, the biggest change has been that I run with a mask on now, um, yes. which is not that fun. And I will say the thing that I'm really looking forward to is that I think running will feel like more of a treat when I can stop doing that. Or if I'm in an environment that's so secluded that I can stop doing that. It'll be like running at a different, al- like lower altitude exactly. or something. That's yeah. exactly what yeah. I'm thinking. Or just like times in my life when I've been injured and then like the injury goes away and it's like, oh my God, running is fun again. I, so I run with a mask on. I had originally had a mask set aside that was my running mask that wasn't anything special. It was just Jersey basically. And it just meant that you could like get it disgusting like you do with your like running clothes and just keep wearing it. Exactly. And it was like relatively light and it was stretchy. So it felt sort of, it was just like, this feels right for running. Yeah. 
And then my mom sent us some of the just like traditional surgical masks. They're not paper exactly. They're cloth, but they're like, you know, the pleated kind. So not the sure. N95, but they're just like flat pleated surgical masks. And they're so much lighter than anything made of, you know, the traditional fabrics like linen or cotton or anything that's being used for these other masks. So now I'm very much on that tip where it's, it's all about the paper mask. And then of course, you know, I pull it down when there's nobody around because I need a break from it because it's humid as hell in New York right now. But yeah, that's really been the big change for my routine. I'm just desperado for any of the athletic companies to come out with a mask that's actually meant for exercising because some of them have been coming out with masks, but it's just like, Hey, we made a mask out of the same fabric we use for our leggings, which is not not something you want on your face. Like it's a compression fabric. It's just, (laughs) I also don't want a, like an athletic brand along the side of a mask. Like I find that to be so upsetting. I don't know why I'm totally fine with a fashion mask, but a branded mask infuriates me. I agree with you. I I agree with you. I mean, I know I'm not going to be able to avoid it and I'm like fully ready to wear a giant swoosh along my <laughs> mouth if it will just be something that is formulated specifically to be more breathable while doing cardio. Um, do you think the swoosh should be like where your mouth is and be like a half smile <laughs> or what do you? where do you think the placement should be? I hope not. I guess <laughs> if it's up to me, I would like it to be where most brands are putting it like along the edge of the mask yeah. on the jawline basically. Fine. I would be more comfortable with that, but I will honestly take anything. And my big question is, why is it taking them all so long? I'm I'm really surprised by it. Are you changing your running routes as a result to to find places that avoid people more? Originally, I was originally. So I like to run in the park in Prospect Park, and originally I was running just along Eastern Parkway because whenever we would go by Prospect Park, it would just look packed and it, it was mayhem. Out. Yeah. yeah, and I have. Now started running in the park, I think in part because A, I run really early in the mornings and there just aren't that many people there. But B, I have read and listened to enough research that says that like outdoors is relatively safe, especially if you are masked. I will say other people have also clearly been listening to that same research and have decided to just do away with masks altogether when they run. So it used to be that like, Everybody who was running in the park or walking in the park in the morning had a mask on. And slowly, little by little, I've noticed fewer and fewer people are actually wearing the masks. Um, I, you know, I pull it down if I really like can't see anybody around. And of course, I'm human. There are those moments where I see somebody, but I'm lost in thought and I forget to pull it back up. But I try to mostly wear it. And, you know, it's, it stinks, but like nobody exercises because it's easy. (laughs) <laughs> like, no, that's the thing. And it's, like, it's like nothing about it's comfortable. So, I mean, yes, this is more uncomfortable, but so is the whole fucking process. That's exactly how I feel. Like, I, yes, we all have those moments where running is just pure fun and you're having like a great day and you're just like, oh my gosh, you I feel like you're bounding forever. about. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like we all get that every once in a while. But for the most part, exercise is not to meant, not meant to be something that physically feels so awesome. It's meant to be challenging. And so wearing a mask, is another part of it being challenging. And I wish we didn't have to do it because honestly, the thing that I miss the most is when I pull down my mask and I get that breath of fresh air and like smell trees and grass. That's yeah. like, oh my God, I forgot to value that. It was, it's very much a, you don't know what you've got till it's gone situation. Yeah. Thomas and I were on a walk the other day and I 
stopped and smelled a flower that I could smell through my mask. And it was like really, <laughs> really a weirdly wonderful experience to be like, yeah. wow, it, something got through. It like feels so nice to be able to smell these roses that are blooming in July. Like, I, yeah, that is what I miss too. The smells, even the weird, bad, you know, New York smells. Totally. Um, well, yeah. unfortunately the weird, bad New York smells get right through like that. <laughs> That I never like, feel like I'm missing out on. It gets right through the mask. What are you doing besides running? So it, originally nothing. And then I really started to feel the impacts of it in various ways where I was just like, wow, my body is so weak. Like I'm the atrophy I'm, of sitting all yes, day and, and not like, walking anywhere. I'm sure my resting heart rate's awesome, but I have no muscles. <laughs> um, so I started going back to one, the Peloton app, which I love. And I, think, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but I put it in the newsletter. It is, you don't need a bike for it. You don't need their treadmill. You really don't need any equipment for it, but I use it. A, I use it on the treadmill when I just need a change or the weather is gross. And I like to really use it for um, like hit workouts or speed workouts on the treadmill because it's just not something I can do. I can't force myself into these like really strenuous, like run really fast for two minutes and then run kind of fast for one minute. So I like to have a guide for that. And then I love, they also have yoga, they have strength workouts, they have, um, they have other stuff. Those are the ones I use. And so what I like to do is run and then do like 10 minutes of yoga or even like a five minute ab workout, which is really nice. I have at your behest gotten into Melissa Wood Health, which is really good. I like that she especially has a lot of these like shorter workouts that feel like you can just get them in really quickly. That has been a real win for me with Melissa Wood Health. It's kind of, it's like a little bit Pilates, a little bit like almost bar adjacent kind of stuff. Like it feels like that, those like micro muscle types of things yes. that you really like about bar. That's um, what I was going to say. I mean, that's honestly in, in my before life, my main f- forms of workout were running most days and then going to bar a couple days a week. And so I feel like that's, what's been really nice about Melissa Wood Health is that it's replaced bar for me, which like you said, it's a lot of very small movements repeated so many times until you can't believe how much it hurts. And like, if you were watching someone else do this workout, you'd be like, you're not getting any exercise. That looks so easy. And then you try it and it is really intense. Excruciating. Yeah. I like that there, you can do like a nine minute class and then a 13 minute class or whatever. You can kind of make your own combos, which feels like a perk. I also, I think my biggest endorsement for any streaming pre-recorded classes. I just don't find her to be annoying. I agree. And here's the And that thing. is a huge <laughs> goddamn, like such a win, not annoying, such a win. One of the reasons that it took me a while is because I don't, it took me a while to sign up for her is because I don't always jive with her like non-exercise related content. There was a lot of like, she's a really big proponent of celery juice, which I'm skeptical of and things like she that. She also is the person who made you interested in celery juice to begin with. Oh, but for, go sure. On. for sure. For <laughs> sure. I w- because she said that it solved her pregnancy induced um, acid reflux. And I was like, and you're like, should I buy a juicer again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, I had to like put her in yeah. time out for a bit. Um, yeah, no, I understand. I did something which, if you are interested in Melissa Wood Health, I highly recommend doing this first before you sign up. She has a ton of these workouts on her IGTV. So I started doing those. And once I had like gotten into the hang of doing that, I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up and, and pay for the the program and I like it. And her program's 10 bucks a month. How much is Peloton? I think it's free for six months right now. And six then, months? Yeah. It's cr- wow. they, okay. It used to be three month trial period. And then when quarantine hit, they, um, they knew this was their moment. 
Exactly. And then they started selling out of all the bikes. Exactly. So Peloton is $12.99 a month um, after your, your trial period. I just, I will say about Peloton, if you feel like you just like you need something, anything, and you don't want to commit to one thing, they just have everything. There's so many different classes. There's so many different lengths. There's every style of workout you could possibly want except for bar. Oh, they have boot camp. That's the other thing they have. Yeah. So it's just, it's nice in that you like can rotate around things. And I, I appreciate that about them. The other one I like that's on demand is Revolution Motherhood, which I did in person and specifically to deal with my postpartum urinary incontinence, aka peeing my pants. Um, this she, is another moment of you being a peeing your pants ambassador. That's exactly right. Um, thought leader. I prefer thought, thought leader. leader. Right, yeah. right, right. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon. <laughs> Rachel Welch is behind Revolution Motherhood and her workouts are really geared towards pregnant women, postpartum women, um, even women who have like had a kid like five years ago and are still trying to solve for some stuff. And then my pal, Joe Holder, launched Exercise Snacks, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's little like snack-sized exercise routines, which again, I love these short ones because I can't focus for long periods of time doing workouts by myself in my living room. So these are all on um, I, on his Instagram or on Exercise Snacks Instagram and on IGTV. And it's nice to just be able to pull something up and be like, okay, I see this one's five minutes. I'm going to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really thought during this time that I would start running again, just as an excuse to get outside. But I really have, I haven't, I have not had the compulsion to it all. And I couldn't explain to you why. Well, you like, you like what you like. And there's so many options for doing what you like at home. There are some options for doing what I like at home, less than I would have thought at this point, but you know, here we are. Um, There are really good options for yoga. Yes. Um, I'm really happy with my yoga options. So my favorite New York studio, Skyting, um, launched their Skyting TV, which is a streaming portal a few months before quarantine. Um, unbeknownst to them, brilliant timing. <laughs> I've never, I haven't done the Skyting TV, but I have seen lots of screenshots of it. And something that I appreciate about it is that it seems to be shot like in environments like their studio where it feels like it is somewhere versus so many of these apps where you're like, they're just in an empty white box with no corners even in it. They're just like floating in the universe. I don't know where they are. And there's something really nice about it's seeing grounding to grounded. see a space. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I really appreciate that about Skyping. I do too. I really, the founders, uh, Chrissy and Chloe have been quarantining together for most of the time. And so they do a lot of classes together and it's also weirdly comforting to see two people interacting, mm-hmm. um, which is just, I think, a little foreign to us at this yep. point to be like, yep. oh, look at people touching each other. Like, huh. <laughs> um, like that feels real. They have gotten their classes. They figured out that 45 minutes is kind of the sweet spot. I will admit that some days I just really don't have it in me to, like you were saying, like focus for that long in my own home. So I'll sometimes just do like the first 30 minutes of it or something. And I've gotten comfortable just turning it off, which for yep. whatever reason before felt like I can't start a 45 minute one if I'm not going to finish it. Girl, which, I feel you. I can't I, even stop reading a book to Cam unless I finish it. If he's done with it, I'm like, no, I've got to finish. And I feel the same way about exercise classes. I'm like, I've got to finish. I've gotten better at that. I wish that there were more short ones um, because then I think I would just be better at saying like, I'm going to do this for 15 minutes or 20 right. minutes because yoga, I think is one of the things that's most helpful for me right now when I'm, I just need to stretch. I just really need to stretch a lot. And then 
one of my favorite teachers at SkyTing, Kate Posh, um, does streaming classes a couple days a week that you just, you know, Venmo her for. And I do like having something that's live um, in that same way that you were saying, feel, seeing people in, a, in something that looks like an actual space is helpful. It's really grounding to think, oh, she's doing this right now. Um, well, and it holds you accountable a little more. Yeah. So it helps you focus it, in that way where it's, it's harder to turn it off in the middle of it. Um, and she does a sort of more athletic style of yoga that I think of it as maybe physical therapy adjacent, having not ever done any physical therapy. Um, <laughs> I know she herself has had a lot of physical therapy and is really interested in anatomy um, and has more sort of training and background in that than most people. So I think, you know, that is a nice sort of even just like test for me to run to be like, okay, can I do this today? Or like, how am mm-hmm. I feeling about this? So when you say it's more athletic, is it like faster movements or harder? There's a there's a faster part of it for sure. Um, but then there's also just a lot of like, hmm, a lot of kind of weird movements, like things right. that you just wouldn't naturally uh, do. They're not typical yoga poses. Got it. Um, it's maybe like a side plank with then like this thing, like this leg crossed over or like mm-hmm. then like lifts from there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of planking, a lot of like, plank to forearm plank and then like, you know, turning onto a side. Okay. Yeah. I, this, yeah. this sounds very Peloton adjacent. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so doing this with Kate most Fridays led me to realize that I really liked the live experience, which again, I would have never, I don't know. I just never would have thought about her guest. So this led me to another streaming or another sort of like live thing that I'm, that I've also kind of surprised myself with. So one of Thomas's besties, Kamiya, lives in San Antonio and he's obsessed with his Pilates teacher. And he and I were comparing notes at the top of quarantine about like, what are you doing for Pilates? And like, how did you find it? Have you found anything? And blah, 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 blah. And neither of us really had. And so he started doing Zoom classes with his Pilates teacher. And he was like, hey, I'm obsessed with Lisa. Do you want to just take classes with Lisa? Um, and I was like, oh, like being able to do all of these things over Zoom really does open things up geographically in a way that hadn't really occurred to me before. Like there's no reason I couldn't take a yoga class with a teacher in Chicago or whatever, you know, or like try some cool studio in LA that you've been dying to try. Exactly. Exactly. So I've been doing a weekly 30 minute Pilates private class, which again is not something I would have ever guessed. And the thing I think I like about it the most, besides the fact that she's just a great teacher um, and a kind person is it's nice to have someone else see my body and check mm-hmm. in on my body on a regular basis. Yeah, that's um, for sure the thing I miss about real classes the most and bar classes, especially because they're so big about form to have yeah, somebody. Correction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, just nice for her to be like, okay, actually, like your, you know, your wrist should be a little bit further up and to correct yourself and be like, oh, okay, because. I'm sure I'm developing all kinds of bad habits from sitting in my living room doing these things for six months or whatever. This is, this is for me, like I, my form is so bad if a teacher's not watching me that I get scared to do it on my own at all, where I'm just like, what's the point if I'm going to do it completely wrong? So I I think that's a strong sell. Um, What are you use? Have you invested in equipment? Um, The only thing I've actually purchased 
since this period is a cork yoga block from Manduka, which I think you bought too. Yes. I um, bought, and I bought two TW0. I only two bought two, one. I, I bought two <laughs> TW0. <laughs> I don't know. I can spell. TW0. You get it. You get it. Um, I only have one and I think I feel good about the one. I think I rarely need two and it just takes up so much less space. Fair. Yeah. I don't know why I like, I like having the two. I was using books for a really long while. I resisted it. And let me tell you, the books don't work that well. No, and I destroyed the books make no sense. Yeah. The books make no sense. They are not a substitute. Um, but I also had previously a Jade Yoga Harmony Mat, which I love. Um, and also Bala Bangles, which I got you at some point. Yes, too. you They're did. like these little one pound cute wrist you can weights. put them on your wrist or your ankles yes. and Melissa Wood uses them a lot. Yeah. They're great for like bar style workouts, especially. I have all three of those things. Those oh my gosh. Things. And then this is the, a thing or two exercise pack, huh? That's, well, speaking of exercise packs. Yeah. Um, so Joe Holder, who I mentioned has this sort of new brand now called exercise snacks. And he also came out with merch, including an exercise snacks workout pack that has exercise bands, which I also do have those. And I mm. use those sometimes, the things that you, you know, like I put on your legs. I never use them, but I should. I use them if somebody on the internet the does it. Yeah, yeah exactly. The does. Um, it has a jump rope also, which I don't think I'm ever going to use a jump rope. You bought a jump rope at some point, didn't you? You know, I did. And a couple of weeks ago, Thomas was like, what happened to that jump rope of yours? <laughs> and I was like, I think we still have it. And he's like, why don't you jump rope? And I was like, because it's really hard. It's yeah. really, really hard and I would have to go outside to do it, which makes it really hard and then also really embarrassing. You could go on your roof. I guess. I guess I could. I guess I, I mean, could the go on thing my roof. for me is the jump rope is so hard. It's yeah. so, I mean, also as someone who can't jump up and down without peeing themselves, it's a total non starter <laughs> for table me. For you. <laughs> it's a total non starter, but it's really hard. So, this snack pack has the jump rope, the resistance bands, and then a body band, which is like the sort of like handles with an elastic band in between. Right, right, um, right. It's sold out right now, but it's going to come back in like September, October. It's very cute. It comes in a little pouch. Um, that so does sound cute. I feel like it's a very good core investment. Um, um, into that. Yeah. Should, should we, we bring on our guests? Let's do it. Today's episode is brought to you by Succession Strength. Succession Strength was started after founder Rochelle Clark found herself flying back from a family funeral, frantically putting a continuity plan in place to ensure the survival of a family business. It was then that she realized the vulnerability of smaller businesses, particularly family-owned businesses, and she decided to use her years of corporate and consulting experience to help ensure other businesses succeed from generation to generation. Business leaders, family businesses, and retiring business owners rely on succession strengths, business continuity, and succession advice to stay in business for generations. From reviewing and putting in place strong continuity plans that protect the business from unplanned events to guiding a business smoothly through a succession, business longevity is why they exist. They believe that businesses survive only if they are protected and passed smoothly from one generation to the next. If you're not ready to commit to an advisor, Succession Strength also offers easy-to-use products that you can use yourself, like online business continuity plans and conversation guides. Working with friends and family members can be tough, and their guide covers 18 of the toughest family business conversations. Check out Succession Strength today at www.successionstrength.com. 
and use the code THINGER20 for 20% discount on any of their products at successionstrength.com slash solutions. That's a THINGER20 for a 20% discount on any of their products at successionstrength.com slash solutions. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. We are so excited. We have Nasque Aquete, founder of Eugenia Shea, on the podcast today. We are so excited to talk to you. Welcome. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Um, I put your Shea on my hands this morning and like morning and night, every night since I've gotten it a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's the only hand cream that doesn't give me like weird, greasy typing vibes, mm. um, which is a huge win. So thank you for this victory. No problem. I'm so pumped to hear that. Love all positive feedback, negative feedback. <laughs> no thanks. <I'll>, yeah. <laughs> you don't hear it. <laughs> I do feel like for me, that is like the true test of a good hand moisturizer is like, are my notes all smeared because I have grease on my hands still an hour later? Will you tell us a little bit about shea butter and which is obviously not just a hand cream. That is just what I <laughs> how I've been diving in most recently and when I'm where I am most needy. But will you sell us on the miracle that is shea butter? Ooh, yes. Um, so my grandmother was a midwife in Colonial Aragona. So she used shea butter all the time for like pregnant moms and babies. So that's like diaper rash and stretch marks. Yep. And my mom was like a relatively, I mean, she'd been around around shea butter her entire life. But she moved back to Ghana in 2000, which is where my family is from. Mm-hmm. Moved back in 2000, rediscovered her love of it, and realized that there are like 16 million women who support themselves and their families through the shea industry. In um, Ghana alone? It, across Sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. And so that's like, that's like a whole- it's Huge, other, huge yeah. number <laughs> of women. I mean, that's, that's an economy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. wild. That's yeah. so um, many. 16 million. It's incredible. Yeah. So that's like a rabbit hole that I will like dig into later if we're interested. But Very interesting. Are. <laughs> <laughs> the the main point there is that like my mom is like a crazy evangelist. Like she is um, my big fat Greek, Greek wedding. Like this is her Windex. <laughs> shea butter goes on everything. So um, why is shea butter great? One, it's an incredible moisturizer. And if you think about what makes a good moisturizer, it's something that draws moisture to your skin, helps your skin retain moisture, or helps fill in the gaps between skin cells to smooth it. And shea butter does all three of those things, which is nice. And then the second half of it is the fact that it has vitamins A, E, F, and K. So that is everything from like skin cell regeneration, um, mild anti-inflammatory, like super, super mild SPF. I think it's like six or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and so that means that it's great for everything from like helping reduce the appearance of stretch marks and wrinkles to helping soothe your skin. If you have like psoriasis and eczema and just all around beautiful. But the weird thing is that, um, 
cosmetics is actually only 10% of the shea butter market. It's like 90% food. Um, so in Europe in particular, they use shea butter a ton and shea oil a ton in like, uh, chocolates. I think that, yeah, it's not, it's not FDA approved in the U S yet, but I believe that in Europe, you can have like your chocolate bar be like six up to 5% rather 5% shea butter and not even really have to mention it. And, and would it be what in place of where cocoa butter would be used typically or yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it helps supplement cocoa butter. I think that it maybe has a higher melting point. So it like increases its stability. That's so interesting. Okay. So talk to us about how, let's get into it a little bit about how the, how the shea butter is sourced and how it's contributing to the economy. Sure. So, um, when my mom moved back to Ghana, she, like I said, realized this really strong community of women who support themselves um, on average, we found just completely anecdotally, like me talking to the pickers in our network and our workers, that on average, they support like five dependents. So that 16 million women who are like actively engaged in picking, like multiply that by five times. And that's like the size. We're of- almost at a hundred million people. And tell us, right. what are they picking? <laughs> it's- oh, so yeah. Um, shea butter comes from a nut. The nut is inside of a fruit and the fruit grows on a tree across sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. So they're picking the fruit. Um, and often I think best practice is actually to pick the fruit from the ground after it's fallen, not from the tree, but so they pick the fruit from the ground, depulp it, take the nut and parboil it. And then we buy the nut from them and process it. So we work with, I think at this point, uh, 10,000 women in Northern Ghana and provide them with quality training, organic, sustainability, parkland management, some healthcare and financial literacy training. We try to pay like a 20% premium to market where we've found that the market has been depressed and buy all of the good nuts they're capable of picking in a season, emphasizing good because like good shea butter comes from good nuts. So up to like 50% of the nuts sometimes don't make the cut. So purchase as many good nuts as they're capable of, of picking in a season and make that into shea butter in-house. We have two facilities in Ghana. Um, one has like pseudo-mechanized methods and one is like fully expeller pressed. But yeah, that's our process. And are these women organized via anything other than working for your company? Like, are you guys working with a collective of women there? Are, you, are they all individually employed by Eugenia Shea? Yeah. So we try and help. Some of the financial training that I talked about is trying to help them form cooperatives themselves. And so on average, I think we'll be like 30 to 60 women in each cooperative. And that, that 10,000 women is broken up into cooperatives. That's incredible. So your mom got into Shea Butter at, or working in Shea when you were a kid, right? Yeah. I think I was maybe 13. Um, I had been, okay. So my parents and my two older brothers were all born in Ghana in the late seventies. There was a coup in Ghana, which forced them to flee because my dad was in the military. Um, he was aide de camp for the president. So they left Ghana then and settled in Maryland where I was born in the eighties. And in 2000, my grandmother, grandma sunshine needed more help. So she was, she had glaucoma induced blindness and was like having trouble getting around. Yeah. She was like in her eighties at that point. Um, So my mom returned to Ghana to help take care of her. And when she was back, she kind of got involved in the Shea world. How did you get involved in all of this? She is absolutely fine now. I feel like I have to like always proceed this with that, but she developed stage four colon cancer. Um, 
while I was in business school and just needed help running her company. And so I was doing it part-time for a while. And then it was clear that like somebody needed to be more hands-on. So I quit my job. By that point, I was working at JP Morgan. I quit my job at JP Morgan, took over her business and incorporated it um, officially in the US and then also launched Eugenia Shea. So her business had been operating out of Ghana originally until you incorporated it in the US. Correct. So she was doing um, like bulk shea butter by the ton to brands and distributors and her customers for the most part were in the US. But I like stepped in and officially corporate. We actually have two companies, one in Ghana and one in the US. So officially incorporated both as well as launched the line of finished products. So when you launched Eugenia, what were you hoping to do um, in bringing this product to the US market? I feel like I just have so many, so many goals and dreams. <laughs> Let's um, hear them, all of them. <laughs> one was that I wanted people to like really perceive African products as having value and being, you know, beautiful, effective products. And Shea Butter in particular, I feel like has been really, really commoditized in a way that denigrates like what it has to offer. So raising that profile was really important to me. Providing consumers with the benefit that they thought they were getting. So like, I, I can't remember how old I was. I think I was 12 or 13 when my mom started in Shea Butter. But for most of my life, I was just like swimming <laughs> in Shea, just like absolutely drenched in shea. Um, and so I had access to something that was like a really, really high quality, clean, natural product that worked well. Um, but if you walk down your beauty aisle, a million containers say shea butter. It's in everything from like toilet paper to shampoo. And then you flip over the container and it's like the mm -hmm. 20th ingredient. So I feel like kind of bigger companies have been hyping the fact that they have shea butter in their products and then not like really delivering. And so I wanted to make sure that people had access. And then three was the, the impact. Um, and that, depending on like the time of my life, has been in different orders. So the third thing is that our official mission is to support as many women as possible, as holistically as possible. And I've kind of framed it that way because, to me at least, it's more important to provide 100 women with healthcare than it is to provide you know, 10,000 women with like a pencil. I just feel like the impact, um, a lot of times impact is measured by like the number of people you touch, but I don't think that that's like a really comprehensive way of doing it. So anyway, as many women as possible, as holistically as possible. And so that is from what we've found, the easiest way to do that is by operating a business. So we consider ourselves a social enterprise. Um, in addition to the 20% premium that we try to pay, we also have built in like a 15% profit share back to our That's amazing. Company. Were there other companies or even just people thinking about the idea of social enterprise that you look to when developing this philosophy? Yeah. So I, prior to launch, I think that around that time, the only company that I can think of was probably mm -hmm. Tom's and, you know, like the one for one model. The one for one didn't really make sense for us just because like our pickers are, Right. Swimming in shea butter too. They don't need um, more shea butter. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not an economist. So like, I don't know in depth about like the problems that one for one businesses may or may not cause, but like that was also a concern. But 
yeah, I, I hadn't really heard about other companies doing similar things, but now it's kind of cool there. I feel like, like you could throw your <laughs> stick at a company and well, and well, and like the rise the phrase, of B corporations <laughs> and just the idea of shifting the perspective right. of what a business should be even I think has changed a lot over totally. the last even just five years, which is crazy. Can you talk to us a little bit about the dynamic between you and your mother and what it's been like to, to work alongside her in this way? <laughs> my mom, my mom is, um, she's the best most of the time, <laughs> some of the time. She's the best some of the time. And she is like a force to be reckoned with all of the time. And it's on the one hand, you're working with like the person in the world who loves you most and who like thinks the most of you and is only wants for you to be happy. Um, and on the other hand, she, I don't know if this is like a Ghanaian thing or an immigrant thing or just like a her thing. <laughs> Can't wait to hear what it but is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every once in a while she'll say something where I'm just like, like, uh, just okay, <laughs> go away. Like, please just go away. <laughs> I think it might, it, it, it might be a mom thing or it's, an immigrant Ghanaian, also Jewish thing. Who knows? But my mom does it too. So <laughs> count count me in for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you recently launched a sister brand to Eugenia, Mother's Shea, that you launched in about half of Target's locations, which is amazing. What has that process been like and what made you want to pursue that opportunity? So part of my part of my thought for like creating impact was getting big, like growing the company. And I think that the way to do that is through mass retail partnerships. Um, so that was always kind of in the back of my head. And then in, I think it was maybe 2018, Target Target has an accelerator program called Target Takeoff. And so they reached out to me to apply to it and I did. And through that program, I was partnered with a buyer who kind of helped me develop this Mother Shea brand. And I, leading up to it, even though Mass was like always in the back of my mind, I think that the push that got me there was a customer interaction I had, um, I think in maybe 2017, which was one of our Eugenia Shea subscription customers reached out to me and asked me to put her subscription on pause. And I was like, anytime somebody wants to pause or cancel their subscription, I'm like, why do we do? <laughs> So I was like, what, what's going on? What happened? And she was like, well, I love your products, but you know, my paycheck hasn't hit this month yet. And like, if you pull it, it's not going to clear, like the charge isn't going to clear. So just wait. And you know, next week when it hits, I'll let you know, and I'll, you can start it again. And I kind of felt like our, at Eugenia Shea, our lowest price point item is $12. And, you know, sometimes we get pushback because of the Shea butter is supposed to be cheap. So like, why are you charging me $12 for this tin? Um, but for the people who try it and love it, they understand like why it's worth that much. And so we'd gotten like such a strong response from people who've tried it and loved it that like, I didn't really realize that that $12 was an exclusionary price point. And talking to this customer became clear that it was. And so Mother Shea, I developed to be a little bit more inclusive. So before this, you mentioned briefly that you had been working in, at JP Morgan. So you've now worked in banking and in beauty as a Black woman. Um, you also went to boarding school. You got your MBA from Harvard. 
what it, what has it been like navigating these predominantly white spaces? It is, it's weird. Growing up, I was perceived as different because I was an immigrant or, I mean, I guess I technically wasn't, but my family, um, I came from an immigrant family. And so I grew up in PG County, Maryland, which is like, I think, maybe I'm hyping it too much, but I think known to be like a black Mecca. And within that world, the black people that I engaged with saw me as different because I was Ghanaian. And the white people who I was engaged with, for the most part, just treated me like, quote unquote, normally. Like there was nothing obvious that I felt at the time. I felt like there was a bigger clash between the other people who looked like me. And so I felt that tension up until college where like, I would feel like a little bit of anxiety of like, oh my gosh, like, are these people going to judge me for being Ghanaian? when I interacted with like other black people actually. So like both in boarding school and before like in in public school. And then in college, I had this really awesome like awakening of, you know, black culture is not monolithic and like there are a million different types of black immigrants and I'm just one of them. And there are also a million different types of black Americans and like, I'm not going to jive with all of them, but we are, we do all have this like really, really obvious thing in common and found a, a fantastic community and really, really like immersed in, in cultural things starting in college. What has your experience been like fundraising and, and navigating the financing part of entrepreneurship? So I kind of felt like when it came to fundraising, I felt like I had this really great background educationally, I've been really lucky and had a lot of opportunities. And I have this company that I was really passionate about. And I started off by going to just traditional banks and like was consistently told that I'd have to mortgage like my life. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so stepped back from there um, and started thinking about the equity route and then was like consistently getting valuations that were lower than like my friends. Um, so for example, like I knew somebody who had like, like just a shockingly similar company, shockingly similar, um, a a very nice white woman who was doing shea butter also, um, in like a vertically integrated way and got valuations that were like multiples higher than like I was seeing. And I'm, sure that like, I never saw her business model. So like, maybe there was something else that like she was doing that I wasn't. Um, but like, that was kind of a weird gut check. And then I found a niche of investors like in the social impact world and they've actually been really, really supportive. So right now we only have debt investors and they're all social impact investors. That's amazing. Um, That's great. And they've, they've been incredibly supportive, just like wildly supportive. What have been the surprising things for you about entrepreneurship in general? (laughs) Um, I think that one thing that has been surprising, I'm essentially the only full-time employee in America. Nothing gets done if I don't do it. And so I guess on some days I'm surprised that I wake up and do anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> on some days I go to sleep and I'm surprised that I've done so little. And so I guess just like the fluctuations of like kind of emotionally being in it kind of on your own um, have, have been surprising. Are there other beauty brands and product or or products like or specific ingredients that you're really excited about these days that are inspiring where you want to take Eugenia? Um, so I have a lot of, I've been lucky enough to be in a lot of communities. And so I've been really inspired by peers. So for example, Sahajan is like an Ayurvedic brand mm. that I've really, really loved. Um, One Love Organics mm-hmm. is a brand that has like been in the space for, I mean, they are like super OG, like have been in it forever um, and continue to do cool things. True Moringa is a brand that I love. They focus on Moringa oil and are similar to like our company, but for Moringa. Similarly, Crayol Essence, um, they do castor oil, but in a, in a manner that's similar to us, like working with pickers or farmers throughout the supply chain. And then in terms of a peer who is just like blown it out of the water and it's like now I like like can't even say my name in the same breath as her, um, is Thrive Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Carissa is just a boss. Like we were in the same Sephora cohort four years ago. And at that time we're like about the same size. And now I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> we <We've laughs> remember both done when like really impressive things. <laughs> <laughs> we're both doing great. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, listen, size is not everything in business. So, <laughs> um, Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us, Nasa Clay. This has been really wonderful. Thanks for having me on. It's been really fun. We um, are everybody try Eugenia Shea. It is so so good, and I highly recommend. Maybe I only got one tin, and I'm regretting not getting a couple to put at various places around my house to remind myself to use it because it is the perfect size to put like by every sink. So that's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com. <laughs>